Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. And welcome again, everyone, for another installment of the Candida Chronicles. This is your host, Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist. Today we're going to be discussing hidden causes of Candida. Um, this does bear review because uh, many people traditionally think of Candida in limited views. There are people who have the viewpoint that Candida is a yeast infection, and know nothing about the other extents of its influence on the body. There are people who only associate candida with antibiotic intake. And while that is very common uh, source of candida problems, it's uh, only a fraction of what actually happens in real life. There are many causes of candida which people never consider. So we're going, to cause, we're going to call them hidden causes. Some of these hidden causes that we're going to talk about today are listed on my website as a typical common cause, but we're going to review them again in a new unit of time and sort of take a backdoor approach in looking at them to see how they could still remain below the person's awareness when they're looking at the risk factors for candida. Now, as far as medications go, most of us know that medications are on the top shelf as causes of candida. And typically there you have hormone preparations and antibiotics. But one medication is commonly overlooked as a source of candida, and that is the antacids. Any antacid product, whether it's over-the-counter or a prescription product, has the capability of causing candida because acidity in the stomach influences the pH of the intestines and this acidity helps to regulate the acid pH of the intestine and colon and this is what prevents candida from growing. We know that the probiotic acidophilus is key in preventing candida from growing and one of the functions of acidophilus as a probiotic is to release acids in the intestines that lower the pH because candida thrives in an alkaline pH. This is true both in the intestines where candida tends to thrive when the pH goes over 7.4 and it's true in the vaginal area and the, uh, the mouth also. In the vaginal area, the candida thrives when the pH goes above 3. So antacid medications that are taken, despite how innocent they may appear, can be a major source of candida. 
To make matters worse, there are many people who take antacid medications who actually shouldn't. These people have an under-acid condition in their stomach, and because their stomach acid is too low, it causes them to reflux and to regurgitate their undigested food, which gives the apparency that they have too much acid because they get surges of acid mixed with food coming up into their esophagus. These people benefit by taking apple cider vinegar before meals or taking hydrochloric acid pills, which often make those symptoms go away. So people can be tricked into taking antacids by having reflux or some such condition that causes them to regurgitate food mixed with acid, giving them the impression there's actually too much acid there. But this is actually a form of indigestion, which is cured by taking hydrochlor uh, hydrochloric acid tablets or apple cider vinegar. The diet is another source where someone can get candida, and it could uh, be a hidden form, and in particular, this is due to dairy products. We will single that out. Most people know that if they eat a diet that's very high in sugar, that they could get candida or it could aggravate candida, and this is true. I think this is kind of on the mainstream, so it's not any mystery. But in cases where people consume milk, uh, particularly milk which is tainted with different bacteria, this will cause candida. There are, there are a handful of different bacteria that are typically found in milk which can cause candida, can cause a food poisoning-like reaction, and can uh, cause a growth of candida even if these bacteria are not necessarily there because the milk itself contains residue of many different antibiotics. This is a catch, bit of a catch-22. Um, typically, certified raw milk has always been considered to be lower in harmful bacteria than pasteurized milk. The government regulations that I recall indicated that uh, pasteurized milk was allowed to have a higher, or typically had a higher bacteria content than did certified raw. It was more typical you would find lower counts of bacteria in certified raw milk than you would find in pasteurized milk. Uh, however, the bacteria that are found in the milk, if they were to become pathogenic in your system, easily could cause a whole disruption in your intestinal tract, cause dysbiosis, and cause candida. And this aside, because milk can be toxic, with bacteria, the FDA allows dozens of antibiotics to be used directly in milk, and in some cases, drinking milk is like drinking an antibiotic because it has so much antibiotic in there to kill the harmful bacteria that once again, it ends up killing your normal flora and can cause candida. Probably the safest way to steer yourself around this condition would be to make sure that milk is always ref properly refrigerated and that you definitely don't drink any milk that has any the, the slightest hint to any weird taste or odor to it. Another typical cause of candida 
which is not typically considered by people as alcohol. Uh, most people think, you know, having a few drinks is harmless, which is probably true. But people who drink excessively will develop candida for several reasons. The key reason is that the alcohol itself feeds the candida that are, that are naturally occurring in the intestinal tract. And it kind of, in a sense, super feeds them. This is particularly true of beer because beer contains maltose. So people who routinely consume high amounts of beer, and what I mean by high amounts of beer, I would consider a high amount of beer as someone who drinks perhaps six beers or more every day. The amount of maltose that you'll find in, in that type of a consumption is definitely going to cause candida. Now, there are some of you out there who would think it's unreal that people would consume six beers or more per day. And to you, people, I would say you're a bit naive. There are many of you out there who would probably think nothing of consuming six beers a day or have friends who consume that or more. So in the real world, we have to look at what people actually do and the effects. And that much maltose from that much beer is definitely going to cause the candida overgrowth. Particularly, one of the worst things that you can do would be to consume beer while you're on antibiotics. It's generally speaking, most, most antibiotics and most physicians would warn you not to mix alcohol with antibiotics. I would warn not to mix beer with antibiotics because you really run the risk of developing candida as the antibiotics lower your protective flora and the beer is superfeeding your candida cells, you're in for trouble. So here would be a hidden cause of candida that most people would not consider. Hormone imbalances would be another cause. Now, at the Biamonte Center and in most, most websites, legitimate websites that talk about candida, they usually will mention hormone imbalances. On our podcasts, we've covered the effects of estrogen, cortisol, um, and other hormones on candida. But many people will not uh, consider this. This was something which doesn't just pop up and... Uh, be taken as a consideration unless the person notices that with their menstrual cycle they develop vaginal yeast infections. This is the giveaway that many women will have. They'll find that when they have their their monthly cycle a vaginal yeast infection or symptoms of such, maybe not even full-blown, will occur at particular times of the month. Not unusual that a vaginal yeast infection uh, will occur prior to having your menstrual cycle when you're premenstrual. That's the, the most common time because that's when estrogen is rising the highest. And as the estrogen rises, it feeds the yeast cells and the yeast cells grow. Now, w women who actually see that they get a vaginal yeast infection with their menstrual cycle are the lucky ones in this area because they're at least knowing that something is happening. Those people who do not observe the symptoms 
or who don't get symptoms strong enough are unlucky in the fact that it's still happening anyway, but they're unaware of it. Some women get some symptoms of a yeast infection, but not full symptoms, and it appears to be almost like a phantom yeast infection. But as that's occurring, the yeast in the intestinal tract is overgrowing. A stable datum that you always must have when it comes to candida is that candida is primarily found in the bowel as its main nesting place. It's also found in the small intestines and other mucous membranes. The bowel is its primary place. When candida overgrows to the point where a woman sees a vaginal yeast infection or a woman or a man has thrush in the mouth, what they're actually seeing now is the iceberg. They're seeing the piece of the iceberg that's above water. And this is because the total amount of candida in their system has risen to the point where it affects these other localized areas like the vaginal area or, uh, as an example, the, the mouth. And in a man, it also could affect his testicles. This is all, all possible. So in the groin area, he may start to uh, have symptoms of the yeast infection. But when this occurs, even though these topical areas are a nuisance and a concern, that's not the real problem. The real problem is that when it overgrows to that degree, you're getting a tremendous overgrowth occurring in the colon and throughout the rest of the intestinal tract. So do not be fooled by this. Don't be fooled into thinking that's your main problem. It's not. That's a symptom of the deeper problem going on in your intestines. So, back to the main point, we're uh, talking about hormone imbalances showing up these symptoms, and the typical uh, symptom that one's going to have is during PMS, they'll be more prone to vaginal yeast infections. Uh, this will also can occur during pregnancy as well. It can occur if the person takes the wrong birth control pill for them, and the birth control pill imbalances their system. This We're going to have the same problem. Long-term chronic stress, which someone might be used to in their life, but may not be working for them, is another thing which could gradually cause candida, and the person is not apt to recognize this. A person who's under long-term chronic stress is usually so busy dealing with the attributes of the stress that he's not paying attention to the end result and the fact that this could be gradually causing an imbalance in his intestinal flora that leads to candida. This would come across as a hidden source of candida. Tap water is another interesting issue. Um, tap water can cause candida. Uh, the reason why it can cause candida is because tap water contains chlorine. Chlorine is used typically in swimming pools and in other water filtration systems as a way of killing off harmful bacteria, harmful organisms, and even yeast in the water. When you drink the chlorinated water, it can kill your friendly flora and literally act just like an antibiotic. So, of course, anything that acts like an antibiotic or has the end result 
an effect of an antibiotic is going to cause candida. And if your tap water is heavily chlorinated, this will, this will occur. It's a, a good idea if you suspect this that you buy one of these home kits that allows you to test your water to see the chlorine level in the water. Uh, because if there is a lot of chlorine, you, then you definitely need to, you don't want to drink the water. You certainly want to get a filter of some type and put that on all your faucets, including the shower and the bath, because you can absorb up to a quart of water when you take a shower and two quarts when you bathe. And you can get, be guaranteed that water will find its way into your digestive system. Bowel problems, just generally, are a result of, uh, will result in candida. Very specifically, the type of bowel problem which will result in candida is constipation. When someone has constipation, the constipation kills the friendly bacteria in their intestines. And this, of course, causes the candida. Now, other bowel problems can do the same. If a person is suffering with parasites, the parasites will disrupt the intestinal flora and cause candida. If someone contracts a parasite which causes frequent and heavy diarrhea, that will cause candida. A similar thing would be true in a person who's vomiting excessively. Someone with bulimia or some type of illness where they vomit frequently or for weeks at a time or having like bouts of vomiting, this is going to disrupt their intestinal flora and cause candida. So we have quite a broad spectrum here. We have um, constipation is a sure way to develop candida because when you're constipated, your intestinal pH tends to become very alkaline and as we said earlier, an alkaline intestinal pH is what candida thrives in. It's generally above 7.4 in the range of 7.5, 7.6, 7.7, 7.8. This is where candida is going to thrive. And what constipation normally equates with alkalinity in the intestinal tract. The diarrhea, again, will cause candida because the diarrhea is going to destroy or wash out a lot of your intestinal flora. And typically when a person has diarrhea, their bodies will be eliminating excessive amounts of bile. Bile can kill friendly bacteria on its own, just like an antibiotic. So if someone's having a lot of green diarrhea, their liver's discharging a lot of bile for whatever reason, and this is causing chronic diarrhea, this is the same thing essentially as taking an antibiotic because it's going to kill your friendly flora. Uh, vomiting too again is the same is a, is a similar thing because when you vomit you're again disturbing your gastric juices and you're going to disturb your intestinal flora sometimes the the question is well what came first here um, did the candida cause constipation did the candida cause diarrhea did it cause vomiting and is that why the person 
has these symptoms because they already had candida causing them. Well, we're going to approach this for the sake of this podcast and this subject as the person was free of candida and then developed these symptoms, which then caused the candida. We're going to consider that because, again, we're looking for causes, not effects, uh, to discuss in this podcast. We covered earlier excessive stress. And excessive stress can cause other physical problems, which could then lead to candida. We looked at it earlier from the viewpoint that the excessive stress would lead to chronically high cortisol, which would cause the candida. But the excessive stress can also lead to diarrhea. It could lead to, um, let's say, uh, ulcers, excess acid being produced in the stomach. These issues also would cause candida as a byproduct of the stress. So it's not only the cortisol being increased by stress that would cause candida, but it could be the diarrhea that you, that you get as a result of the increased stress. If the person has a hyperactive nervous system, if they tend to be what's sometimes called the type A personality, a lot of stress would stimulate their digestive system, overstimulate it, cause diarrhea, and there they go. They're going to get candida from the diarrhea from the stress now. Another aspect, which sometimes a person has no control over, would be environmental chemicals and molds. Chemicals and molds can deplete your immune system and deplete your liver's ability to fight off these things, which could cause some type of bowel dysbiosis again. And now we're back to constipation or diarrhea or some such thing. This is a problem typically for people who work around chemicals. Frequently, a hairstylist, a dry cleaner, lawn maintenance people, pest defense people, house painters, uh, people who work in different chemical industries or fuel industries, people who work in auto shops, body shops. All of these people can be exposed to toxic chemicals. Uh, These toxic chemicals get into your system and they can cause a dysbiosis. They can, just by being in the presence of them, having some of them absorbed through your skin and breathing in these chemicals, it can upset your intestinal flora and your immune system enough to cause candida. The longer your exposure to these things and the the, uh, higher your exposure, the more likely it would be that you would develop a candida problem from them. Generally, if you're smelling something which is very strong, it means that your liver and your immune system are going to have to work that much harder to get rid of it. And the longer you're exposed to something that has a very strong odor, the the odds increase that you will develop candida from it. This is not to say if you were exposed to something once or twice, You know, or if once a week you use some bleach and cleaning your house, this is not to say that you'll develop a problem in that manner. This is more for people who occupationally are exposed to these things, where they're around them for many hours every day, or or five days a week, let's say. Um, 
out of uh, the examples I gave earlier, what, the one I would say can be the most significant would be people who work in the pest defense industry. Of course, depending on the chemicals they use, back 20 or 30 years ago, it was very common for people who, who were exterminators uh, that they would die, literally die, from the chronic exposure that they had to the pesticides that they used. Nowadays, the, medic the medicines that they use to kill pests and insects are a bit less toxic, so it's not quite as bad, but still a huge concern and still highly possible. So anyone who works in an environment on a daily basis where they're constantly exposed to some kind of smell, uh, strong smells or strong chemicals, runs the risk of developing candida or much worse from that exposure. The next category we'll bring up are toxic metals. This is not something that someone would typically link to a candida problem. The metal which has been given the most exposure is probably mercury. Mercury is definitely an element which will cause candida. It causes candida for several reasons. This is not um, going to be a podcast on mercury, so we're not going to get into details on that today. We will at a later podcast talk about mercury. But suffice to say, mercury is a major cause of candida. When you're exposed to it and you're unaware of it and not be able to, being able to do anything without reversing the effects, the people who are the, the most exposed to mercury are those who work in the dental industry. Because of dentists drilling the fillings, those mercury vapors go into the air. There are many studies that do document mercury vapors go into the air when you drill fillings. And I have seen myself personally, uh, many patients, many dentists who've worked in dental office, both as assistants, even hygienists who are not necessarily doing any mercury drilling, who on their lab tests showed elevated mercury just from the exposure and being in the office. And of course, this helps to develop candida and many other problems. There are a handful of toxic metals which are known to do this. Iron would be one. Iron in, in, uh, in excess would be one. Copper would be another. Arsenic would be another. Aluminum is another. Aluminum creates these problems in a unique manner in that aluminum is a highly alkaline element. And when you get enough aluminum in your system, it simply causes your intestinal pH to swing very alkaline, as we discussed earlier. And this in itself causes problems. Certain food chemicals or food additives are known to kill friendly flora. These things are not really that popular in terms of relating them, but it's something that someone should be aware of. The two that come to mind, which are the most common that could kill friendly flora, are aspartamine and MSG. Taken in frequent doses MSG and aspartamine have the same effect antibiotics do and they, in that they kill friendly bacteria. Aspartamine typically is used as a sweetener, most people would know. 
uh, of it that way. It's found in different soft drinks and whatnot. MSG could be in any food as a flavor enhancer. It doesn't have to just be Chinese food, as the stereotype goes. It could be in anything. And if you have frequent, consistent exposure to aspartamine and MSG, they will kill your friendly flora, just like the antibiotics do. The immune system being weak is another possible hidden cause of candida. And why I'm going to classify that as a hidden cause is because there are many people who function with a lower than normal immune system and appear not to be much the worse for wear due to it. Now, these could be people who have AIDS or HIV, different types of cancer, herpes, hepatitis, people who have these conditions but who are still functional. They're still able to go and hold down a job, lead what appears to be a pretty normal life, can have an immune deficiency there, which will register on blood work. You can actually see if you do their blood tests that their white blood counts will be low. And some of the individual white blood counts can also be low when they fractionize them for you on the test. It's not unusual to find people who appear to be functional and normal who have white blood counts in the 2 to 3 range. Uh, 2 to 3 range for a white blood count is abnormally low, and it definitely shows an immune deficiency, and this is an indication of somebody who could easily develop candida, even though they appear to be normal and may appear not to be sickly. People who've had chronic hepatitis and Epstein-Barr virus uh, can typically show low white blood counts like this. They don't necessarily have to be uh, in AIDS or in advanced stages of cancer for that to occur. They could be totally functional, walking around with hepatitis or herpes and having a low white blood count, which makes them more susceptible to candida if, if they, they encounter the, the um, proper stimulants for the candida's growth. So if you have a person with such immune deficiency, as, as we're discussing here, and they're unfortunate enough to encounter any of the categories that we've discussed previously in this podcast, that combination could be a surefire deal that they're going to start to develop a chronic candidiasis or a dysbiosis, and then start suffering along the typical path of these symptoms. If I didn't mention this earlier, if it was neglected, but surgeries are a very typical, surgeries and major accidents are very typical for developing candida. Uh, first of all, the one thing both have in common is with surgeries and major accidents usually come antibiotics. And uh, aside from that, though, the, just the mere trauma and stress to the body is enough to cause the cortisol to elevate and the body's defenses against this to lo be low or crash, even, it's, even if it's for a brief period of time, that could be long enough to allow the candida to overgrow. Very often when we speak to patients and we go through their history, if there's nothing obvious in their history in terms of medications causing their candida growth, 
will typically look for a surgery or an accident and see how long after the surgery or the accident their symptoms started to develop. And it's not unusual that you'll find that their symptoms were uh, indications of candida started to develop shortly after a major surgery or an accident of some kind. And again, it's for this reason. This reason would fall under the heading of a stress, which is uh, causing the candida to grow due to that stress suppressing the immune system and elevating their cortisol levels. Well, that's, uh, that is the material we wanted to cover today. I think this would be very useful in life as you go through life and as you live it and as you have friends who do so in order to potentially identify any situations that might make you or your friends more susceptible to a candida problem. You have the data right here. There are certainly, I'm sure, others that I didn't mention here. If anyone has any they'd like to contribute, be all, by all means, feel free to email me at drb at health-truth.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for the podcast. And we will be back again this Thursday for another installment of the Candida Chronicles. That's a wrap for this episode of the Candida Chronicles featuring Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. Michael holds a doctorate of nutropathy and is a New York State Certified Clinical Nutritionist. He is a professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and of the American College of Nutrition, and he's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. Welcome 